Hello and welcome to another episode of Joe Blogs About Films. This week we are diving back into the TV world to talk about HBO's new release and spin-off of probably one of the best TV shows ever, give or take the last couple of seasons, um, House of the Dragon, which is doing excellently, excellently well. Um, as spin-offs go, you couldn't really ask for anything more, really. In this episode, I wanted to go over like the first five episodes, and I'm joined by my good friend, Mr. Jamie Wainwright, who is pretty big on Game of Thrones, and I'd imagine uh, equally the same as me, pretty hyped about the latest season, House of the Dragon. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Big fan of Game of Thrones. Like you said, apart from the last couple of seasons, but uh, we'll not get into that <laughs> too much at the moment. Um, but yeah, really hyped about House of the Dragon and loving it so far. Yeah, it's, it's been one of those because um, obviously we'll be going over like mainly the characters and their and their stories uh, of these first five episodes. I didn't want to just kind of sit and just regurgitate the the entirety of these first five episodes, but there's been so much to enjoy with it that it does feel a bit like Game of Thrones, how it used to be before it went down the pan. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the moment, it kind of reminds me of like the first four seasons, you know, how good they were, how strong the writing was. And um, yeah, I mean, so far, it's been very promising. Yeah. And that's what we're going to be talking about on this episode. As I say, the first five episodes, uh, before we do dive into it, of course, this podcast is available on Apple, Spotify and Google Podcasts, as to rss.com. Jump onto Facebook as well and give us a like and a follow. And uh, yeah, keep up to date with what's happening with the episodes and the podcast as and when. Do hit the notification button on Spotify and all the, uh, all the streaming sites. And finally, leave us a review because that'd be, that'd be lovely. So here we are then, diving into House of the Dragon, first five episodes, that is. It seemed like a pretty good point, in fairness, to to do this part one, should we say, of House of Dragon, given where it's left us, because I do believe... Obviously, this is going to be spoilers in this as well, listeners, if you've not seen it. I mean, what are you listening to it for, in fairness? But we will be diving into spoilers here and there. But the way that it's left us, and and, and knowing that the the new cast is going to be coming in, because obviously we've seen the younger the younger main characters. Um, it's pretty exciting though, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first of all, like the, the characters, um, the, you know, the earlier actors, they've they've been really good. Um, I think, you know, everyone's put in a great performance. Um, but like, yeah, so we know that the t- there's been time jumps in each episode and I think we're getting quite a significant time jump after episode five. So um, yeah, we're going to get new actors coming in. It'll be interesting to see how they play those characters. Um, but yeah, really looking forward to it. What what are your thoughts on the whole like time jump thing? Because I've seen a few people online saying it can be a little bit um, like disjointed because we don't really know where we're going to be when the next episode starts. Yeah, well, that, that's quite interesting because I mean the thing is like with with House of the Dragon, it, you're not kind of there's not too many characters to go about. It's like we're not too focused on different houses. It is just House Targaryen. So. Um, even though there are like time jumps in between each episode, I think it has, has actually flowed quite nicely. Like we've been able to get to know some of the characters quite in- intimately, like particularly in episode four. Um, so I think um, I had concerns as well when I heard about the time jumps and especially with changing actors as well. But um, I think so far it's worked really well. So it's kind of like it just brings something new and like what's, what's going to happen next whenever like the next episode you're due to watch it because there's so much that's happened obviously from you know like the fact of everyone's pushing uh, King uh, Viserys to select an heir for example that's where we first meet because we should say as well that the uh, the House of the Dragon is set 200 years before the events of Game of Thrones there's a lot of time there and, I, and I'm not like one of those people that's religiously sat and read all the, the the novels or the books itself I've not not really picked anything up and, and to be honest with you I, I just enjoyed the TV show for what it was so I feel like my view on House of the Dragon at the moment is that like I I, I literally have no idea where it's going to go because I've not really read too much up about this particular you know the, these uh, events that are due to unfold. And this is just quickly quickly before I go go on about the, the whole choosing an heir. I love Paddy Considine as Viserys. I think he's been absolutely amazing. I mean, what what were your thoughts on on Paddy Considine? No, yeah, I think he's been absolutely brilliant. You know, he's the kind of king like you can see how sort of how strained he is by the job and like how, you know, how the politics comes into it. And he's sort of, you know, he's, he's got to think about, you know, doing what's best for the kingdom, but you can see how kind of tortured he is. And he plays that Paddy Constantly, he plays that character really well. Like, you know, you see times when he's got to be strict, you know, he's got to be angry, but at the same time, yeah, I feel like you do kind of feel a bit of empathy for his kind of situation. Like, you know, with everyone he has to deal with, like, you know, the difficult difficulties he has with his daughter but then also um all these different houses that he's kind of got to keep happy like keeping the seven kingdoms together basically i almost feel like he's a bit of a people pleaser almost like he wants to just constantly make the right decisions for everyone but at the same time it's not maybe 
what would be for for the, for the throne or for the kingdom the right decision. Obviously, he's got all these people kind of meddling in behind the scenes. You know, you've got Otto Hightower as well, who was like maybe kind of stirring things. What you thought was kind of for his own personal gain, but it turns out he is just trying to look over the entirety of the of the of the, of the kingdom and such. Obviously, if he was to name Rhaenyra and not have his actual son as heir, it could cause absolute. Absolute destruction upon obviously the realms, yeah, yeah exactly. The yeah, realms, the seven kingdoms, um, yeah. So that, like, I, I feel that Viserys is kind of just given a bad, like a bad rap. He's he's a good king, but as Damon says, uh, Matt Smith's incredible Damon, that he's a weak king. Um, and there's, I, I was reading up as well about him with this whole it's leprosy, it's a form of leprosy, I believe that it is that he's struggling, mm. that he's got the disease that they're trying to cure and such. Yeah, it's almost like because he's a weak king, the um, the the throne itself is kind of punishing him you know it's kind of wanting to get rid of him he's been shunned by the throne because i believe again on reading up on like some of the novel stuff that his actual illness comes from an infection that he gets from uh, like a cut from the uh, from the actual throne itself um and i think they, they, they we got a bit of a cut in the first episode didn't we? i think there's a moment when he's talking to damon isn't there when he gets a little cut on his finger or something yeah absolutely i mean one of the things they say is that the throne cuts unworthy people that's something from the books I just want to say something as well about the throne itself. Like, you can see it looks a bit different to Game of Thrones. Like, there's a lot more swords, so it's a lot more closer to how it was in the books, which I think is um, a really nice touch. Um, but, yeah, that, this, that's the thing with Viserys. You can see that he's, he's wanting to do the right thing, but he's kind of very conflicted in, in a lot of ways. He's got a lot of things. He's got. He's got to try and please a lot of people. He's got to try and keep the seven kingdoms together. But he has these difficulties, and yeah, he gets cut by the throne. And as you can see, he's, he's struggling. Yeah, I, I, I do feel sorry because I, I'm, I'm, I'm one for a good meme, and there's been a ton of memes <laughs> to do with the series in particular. Just really stressed, like the one of the infamous shot of Ben Affleck when he stood outside having a cigarette, um, and uh, and yeah, they've like obviously put the Viserys outfit on him like Viserys after every episode <laughs> and it's so true because he has he, he's almost like he's forced to kind of become a person that he's not because he's let's say he wants to do the right thing he's then obviously got everyone telling him who he should be making the air obviously it should be Damon obviously on the back of the whole you know skipping the the queen who uh, the queen that never was that should have been mm. the heir of the throne obviously it went to it went to Viserys in that instance then if Viserys hasn't got a son then it should go to Damon. there's that whole thing of name in the air and I, and I like that we're thrown in with that straight away and you said at the start obviously that this one of the brilliance of this TV show for me House of Dragon is that it's not you're only focusing solely on a few a few like close uh, houses you're not looking at like full on the whole of like Westeros per se um, so I really do feel like you'd, you'd, I'm fine in any way I don't know if anyone else is that I, I'm, I'm easily digesting it so much more than Game of Thrones not that Game of Thrones was complex or anything mm. but I think because everything's so close to home we not only get a really good story but we're also getting these brilliant performances as I say from Paddy Constantine from Matt Smith uh, from uh, Millie Alcock as well obviously who's done a fantastic job as awesome. Princess Renair and I'm looking forward to talking a little bit more about her but like I said with Viserys it's like Every episode, it's like, is he going to die at the end of this one? Is this yeah. going to be the thing that sets him up? <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. You're right. We're getting to know the characters on a more intimate level because it's not so spread out in terms of the geography. And um, yeah, you just you do get the feeling with the series. Every episode, it's like, you know, what's going to happen to him? He's got all these people like trying to undermine him, you know. And it's like there's there's so much focus on who his, his heir is going to be. You know, obviously he's he's named Rhaenyra as, as his heir, but like there's quite a few people pushing for Aegon. Like there's a lot of I think there was a lot of sort of misogyny in Westeros. You know, oh, there's yeah, never, there's never been, there's never been a queen yet, and um, hope you know we we hope one day that there will be. I mean, we know from Game of Thrones the first queen is you know Cersei, so you know certain things are already spoiled in a sense. But we kind of don't know what path it's going to go down. Like you know, one of one of the things is like you know history is written by the winners, so it's like you know, even though what we know is true in Game of Thrones, you know, how did we get there? It, it might it might be different to what we what we know. So that's the beauty of it for me as well, in particular mm. by not knowing too much about the whole stories itself and not reading too much. Because like I say, I, I like I'm trying to keep this as fresh and go into the same approach I mm. had with Game of Thrones. Is like I anyone could die at any point for me in this TV series. I have absolutely no idea what's going to happen next. Um, and, and you touched upon obviously a moment ago as well about like the misogyny obviously within Westeros and within mm. the Game of Thrones world and such. And it is apparent still that obviously you know there's many conversations, particularly between. 
uh, you know, Renera and and Viserys, where they're almost like butting heads because she's saying like if you know like the, the example of when she ends up in the pleasure house, obviously with with Damon, mm. she was like you know if I was a guy, if I was a man, then there'd be no arguments whatsoever with me being king or be having a wife or whatever, and then going off and having a bit of fun time. But because I'm a woman, there's a problem with that. And Viserys straight up is a bit like yes, <laughs> which is terrible, yeah. and it's all right. And, and and not only that, we're saying like obviously that in this fantasy world and and fiction world, obviously that that, that is the case. That's still Today, to an extent, it even that still happens. You know, women are perceived to not be able to have that that kind of lifestyle in in modern society. No, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's those double standards. Like you hit the nail on the head there. Like you know, if if she'd she'd have a, a man, you know, she could have had as many you know mistresses as she wanted, and it wouldn't make any difference. But you know, she she goes out and has a bit of fun, and all of a sudden, you know, it's like uproar. I mean, obviously, there's the whole thing. You know, it's a uncle who <laughs> she's yeah. accused of doing things with, which. But then again, Targaryens like to keep it uh, keep it in the family. Yeah, exactly. Keeping the bloodline pure, like that's a Targaryen thing. Like uh, you know, the incest basically. <laughs> but to, to them, it's like keeping the bloodline pure. But it's like you know, it's um, yellow and all that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. it's I, exactly that. And and there's been so many good scenes between you know Rhaenyra and Viserys because they have that kind of broken relationship really because of that. Another thing that, that I've enjoyed so much with Viserys is just seeing, like I said, that we start off with him so determined to get a son. It's almost like he was putting all his eggs into one basket about my wife's pregnant, you know, the queen's pregnant, she's going to have a son, everything's going to be absolutely fine. I won't have to deal with any of this nonsense anymore from the council saying, who's my heir going to be? As soon as I get my son, I'm all sorted. And he was pushing and pushing and it's almost like completely overlooking and ruining his relationship with Venera essentially by being that determined for a son that essentially by doing so he, he ends up losing his wife and his son at the at the hands of his own obsession with that. And I almost feel that everything that's come after it from from a from a character's point of view that's happened to Viserys, it's his own doing. Yeah, exactly. I mean he had that choice, didn't he? He could have saved his wife, but he decided to, you know, go for having the child. And yeah, everything since then has, has turned out badly. And I think, you know, I, again it's like, you know, you can't really feel sorry for him because you know he's he's made that choice, but at the same time, he's such a good actor. You do kind of feel, I mean, it's a bit like, I don't know, like Brian Cranston in Breaking Bad, where mm, it's yeah. like, you know, even though, you know, he does some really horrible things, it's like, you still have that empathy for him for the way the actor portrays the character. So, um, so yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I mean, you know, looking ahead, I think he, well, obviously we know he's going to die at some point, but it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, how that pans out. I've got, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly gutted knowing that he's not going to make it out of this season because yeah. I've really enjoyed him. But but obviously the king has to die for you know hell to break out basically mm. for season two to happen and everything yeah. else basically. <laughs> and that's the thing as well. It's almost like him naming Rhaenyra as as his heir after obviously you know Damon went on that massive well you know had that kind of party celebrating the fact that he was now going to be heir again, mm. knowing that you know the son of the king had passed away and claimed the whole heir for a day kind of thing, which. Did not go down very well with Viserys. Like he was not a fan of that, was he? And he obviously banished him, banished him away. Yeah. I think that there's obviously now there's that guilt as well that he's now I've spent my entire life overlooking and, and you being in the shadow of me wanting a son, that you are gonna be my heir. And he's all obviously as well, since having a son, and I'm jumping ahead, that there's that wonderful, wonderful sequence and, and scene between the two of them where he's like, I am not gonna skip you. Like because I have a son, you are going still to still to be my heir, which I absolutely loved. It was a real fist pump moment for me. I was like, yes. And Rhaenyra is, uh, I, I, I can say, I, I'm so much looking forward to talking about her character, but it was one that I was really happy for her because I feel like all she's ever wanted is that relationship with her father and to feel like she was always, you know, in, at least maybe with a shout of being heir, having that said to her was, was a big moment. Yeah, it was a nice moment. This is where you can kind of see, like, you know, Viserys being a, a good dad sort of coming through. Because, I mean, yeah, as, as it should be, you know, the eldest child should be the heir, you know, regardless of gender. So it was really nice to see that moment. And, yeah, again, just testament to um, the actor, you know, just brilliant the way he sort of portrays a tortured king who can also be a really good father. So, yeah, that, that was brilliant. Yeah, there's also that other moment as well, obviously, because he... He's determined for her to marry, obviously. To, that's what they're to do. Obviously, if you're in the chair, mm. you, you've got to marry. It's, but it's like, it's politics, as Damon says, yeah, obviously. Exactly. It is all politics. And there's that moment, obviously, when he's like... It, I, this is what I like about Viserys and Paddy Constantine's performance, is that, like you say, he can go from a really warm and charming character and, and obviously really affectionate when he wants to be, I say, particularly with, with his daughter, you know, like that father figure that he should mm. be. But then when things are starting to obviously not go his... Not, not his way, not, not how he maybe envisioned or even... Look, I've tried being the nice guy. 
that's not working. You are going to bloody marry. And this is who you're going to marry. And, I, and I, it's like, we flipped up to that. Whereas before, there's that lovely moment when he's like, marry who you want. Just, mm. just you choose. You do what you want to do, but you have to marry. It's, it's it, like I say, you have to do it. Um, preferably not with your uncle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, try and go outside the family. But yeah, I mean, he tries to pair her off with Lannister at some point as yeah, well, doesn't he? It's like, oh god. And that's the only thing I really like as well. I'm glad you mentioned that because it just showed you that Lannister's just always dicks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, oh god. But in the in the last episode where he's like, he says something like. Oh, if women were in charge, like they'd always be late to the battle, and it's just like cringe. Oh. It's just like Again, typical though, Lannister. Great right? though, from Paddy Constantine's Viserys, just sat there, just like just nothing. And, and even yeah. even Rhaenyra as well is obviously not best best pleased with that comment. But it's nice that yeah. like uh, Viserys didn't like humour that or anything. He was just kind of like, yeah, exactly. He was like, like, don't disrespect no, that. Don't like this. Like, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not even responding to that. Yeah. Like, I'm not even worthy of a response. Like. <laughs> no, but I like I, say, I am I am really in, interested to see what's going to happen with with the series. Obviously, we know that he's not going to make it. His body looks an absolute mess. Mm. It's like that really awkward and, and uh, like the, 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 the sex scenes in this obviously have been, have been kind of there's not been a lot of it but they've been they've been tastefully done but they're not mm. it's not so good when he's obviously making love to um, uh, to Queen uh, to Queen Alison and you can see the back of his like all these like manky back and stuff and it just yeah. looks it's just, and she's just laid there just no, no no emotion whatsoever knowing that she's kind of trapped so just I don't know like it just a bit rank on the back yeah it's a bit uncomfortable and it's kind of like you know do your duty you know what I mean you know make make the children but it's there yeah, it certainly yeah. wasn't um Certainly wasn't very, you know, intimate and, you know, <laughs> nice, really. But, it's, uh, <laughs> but then there's obviously scenes, like I say, where they're in that pleasure house. And this is where, like, I feel that Warehouse of Dragon shines, and particularly with those kind of explicit scenes, is that it's not, like, in your face just for the sake of it. Whereas I personally feel, don't hate me for saying this, that Game of Thrones, not you, but the listeners, <laughs> that I feel that Game of Thrones at times just did it just because they could or be for the sake of it almost. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think this is where the writers come into it. I think the writing in House of the Dragon is a lot stronger than the later seasons of Game of Thrones. And like, <clears> and like it just shows through the scenes where, yeah, it, the sex scenes so far in House of the Dragon have been very tastefully done, yeah. you know what I mean? And the music goes with it really well and not, none of it feels like out of place. It's quite story-driven as well, in fairness, when yeah. you do think about it. Like that whole sequence we talk about with the with Viserys, obviously, as well, that is part of the story. It's the same when, obviously, Rhaenyra not only ends up in the Pleasure House, obviously, that's due to Damon taking her to show her around King's Landing to see the actual true mm. King's Landing of this is this is where you live, this is, this is actually what it's like down here. Yeah. But then also that then spurs her on for that moment of her being in control of herself. And obviously, although like she was about to obviously uh, do the deed with Damon, mm. she then, obviously, that didn't happen. He storms off and then she ends up sleeping with obviously... Um, uh, Kristen Cole, yes. Chris, yeah, so Kristen. Um, and it was that was a big power moment. Cause she, she's like, mm. well, if, if I'm, I'm going to have sex, I'm going to choose who and when, you know what I mean? Rather than this is your husband, off you pop, now make babies. Yeah, no, exactly. That that kind of shows, that's kind of her coming into her own as like princess to queen sort of transition, you know, making those choices for herself, which, um, yeah, and again, it's a testament to Millie Alcock, you know, the way she plays it. She's just a brilliant actress and like, you can you can tell that she's, um, you know, she's put a lot of thought into the role and, you know, she plays it very well. She is great. Like, we'll, we'll obviously jump to Rhaenyra now because I think that, this character is is one that I'm really really uh, enjoying. To say that, that to see the, the character grow really. You know, we meet this character at the start who's is constantly overlooked and and kind of in the shadow of this desire for the king to uh, to have a son. You know, she should have a claim to, it, but she doesn't. And and then obviously by being given that that duty, obviously well, that that claim that she will she will be the heir. Um, it's kind of nice to see how she's gone from having from, from being given that, and then to still see that she's not great with her father as well. Like obviously because obviously what happens with her friend, obviously uh, Lady Alyssa, obviously becoming um, becoming his wife and such. It's almost like every person that she's kind of close to ends up like in some way like uh, you know not blocking her, but at least you know, it's not beneficial for her almost all the time. No, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like her and Lady Alison, they were like like best friends, weren't they? And yeah. then all of a sudden, you know, she's married off to a to her father, and it's. Um, yeah, it, it must be a diff, it must be difficult for her, and you you see her go through that range of emotions. Like you you see her grow throughout these five episodes. And I think it's it's going to be a real shame the actress you know will lose the actress in, in episode six. Although it'll be interesting to see how the new actress Emma Darcy, I believe, um, how she handles it. 
but yeah, with Rhaenyra, you, you just see a lot of a lot of different emotions from her. And you, you see how she handles her relationship with her father and how difficult that is for her and how she loses friends, but then she just holds her own really well. And she's a very good dragon rider. This is the thing as well. This is why I, I love that determination and drive for this character because she'll just stand up to anyone. Like in respect, in, in, like the, the kind of sassy uh, conversation that they have uh, that Rhaenyra has with, uh, with I believe it's, is it Rhaenys Targaryen? The, Rhaenys, that's yeah. uh, Corlys Valerian's wife, obviously the queen uh, the queen that never was. Mm-hmm. That kind of moment where they're like sassing each other up and obviously like, talk about like, you know, uh, Rhaenys is saying that they'll, they'd rather set the throne ablaze or whatever, or whatever she says, than have to see a woman on, on the throne and such. I really like that dynamic between the two. And you think that they'd be like best mates and get on and such, obviously kind of being in a, a similar position, albeit... I know that you know Rainey's wasn't given the the queen title. It surely should be should be like a kind of a, a shoulder for 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 Rhaenyra should she need it. But you can see why there'd be that kind of resentment between especially Rainey's and Rhaenyra. No, exactly. You'd think so. I mean, yeah, with 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 Rainey's, like, I think you know she's obviously disappointed she never became queen. I think she's definitely got that sort of pessimism about her. Whereas um, with Rhaenyra, it's kind of like she. I think she's always got in the back of mind, like again, like in episode two when she comes comes on the dragon and she's again and she's you know faces off with Damon, like you see that sort of confidence and it's like you can see that in the back of her mind she's you know she's thinking about what she would do when she was when she becomes queen. So there, I think there is that sort of, I think from Rainey's there is there might be just a little bit of sort of like jealousy, like you know I missed my opportunity to become queen, but then she's also kind of like well. You know, will there ever be a queen? Like, you know, like she said, yeah, like the, I think the quote was, yeah, I think the men would rather, you know, see the world burn than have yeah. a woman on the Iron Throne. So, so yeah, it's an, it's an interesting relationship that they have. Um, but yeah, you, you like you said, it, you would think she would be like a sort of like shoulder to cry on. But then I think there's also that sort of divide between like House Targaryen and House Valyrian. Like obviously House Valyrian are very ambitious and um, obviously they were... They were upset when their their daughter, like the twelve year old, yeah. didn't get to marry Viserys. I mean, that was weird. That was, that was, an, that was an interesting storyline. It was one of those, I mean, it's one of those because, uh, like you say, with 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 trying to with keeping that bloodline pure, that's mm. what that's where their game is. And again, Viserys knows it's it's all political and that he, yeah. he probably should. But again, this is why I like him so much is that he knows it's it's just wrong. Like he can't mm. he can't do it. But again, maybe that's another argument for everyone else in the council, Damon, Otto, and etc. Otto, where you know them thinking this is a weak king. Like this guy is not gonna he's not gonna he's not gonna last basically. Mm. Yeah, no, exactly. That's the thing. I mean, you know, but you know, it, it's all it's all about the politics, isn't it? It's like when he says to Rhaenyra, like you are my political headache, and it's like <laughs> you know, it's like oh, um, but yeah, no, it's and and that's the thing. It, He's, he's got to try and keep as many people happy as possible. But yeah, when he makes choices that aren't like, you know, the politically correct ones, his council are going to try and, you know, undermine him in some ways. Like, you know, Sorato Hightower, like, you know, he it's weird because it's like, you know, do, does he want what's best for the realm or is he trying to push his son as a, well, yeah. I think it's a bit of both. Yeah. I think, I think with, with, it, with just jumping to obviously there, well, you know, to Otto for a second, I think that, by the way, Reese Ifis is absolutely incredible as his character. Like I've loved... Again, I'm going to say that a lot in this podcast that everyone in this is incredible as their character because they're putting on some stellar performances. But I like, mm. it, maybe with, with Otto, it's just kind of trying to work out. I th- like I said, I think it's, it is a bit of both. I think he would love to see, obviously, his grandson uh, to be king. But, mm. but like I said, he is the king's son, therefore he should be. And if not, there is going to be an all-out war, like a civil war between uh, between all the, all, the, all the houses and such of who should be on that throne, even though the king has named... Rhaenyra, but we know it's not going to go down as straightforward as that. But I do think that Otto, I think Otto at times, albeit wants to do best for the king, it's almost like, well, what got him out was that, you know, he, he went up and told him about about the, the rumour that Rhaenyra and Damon had been coupling, to, to yeah, quote. Um, <laughs> and it's almost like, was that a move? Again, it, it probably was an all political move because, again, he knows that that could, in a way, skip Rhaenyra and then go to his actual son as, heir, as uh, the king's son as heir. So I, I do think there is a bit of both. I think that he does care. That moment that he has with uh, his daughter, obviously, uh, with, with Alison, when he's saying goodbye to her when he's leaving, because obviously he's lost his... That's a powerful moment, because that's genuine. That's like a, a real genuine moment where he's saying to her, look, they, Rhaenyra will have to kill your son, basically, to, to kind of remain in, in power. Whether he's kind of just, you know, kind of making that sound much worse than it is, but I do feel that what he's saying before about there is going to be a civil war. It's all genuine, like he does care. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, this is the thing. He's been hand of the king, so he knows how it works. But yeah, he, he says to um, he says to his daughter, you know, you, you need to see it. Like, yeah, it's him or her. You know, it's either Aegon or it's Rhaenyra. So sorry, go on. No, I was gonna say it's it's just interesting as well. Just, I was just thinking as well that like obviously the the the, po- the political side of it all with Game of Thrones, everyone's trying to get everyone's playing the Game of Thrones mm. to be exact, obviously. But like Rhaenyra played that game to get Otto removed as hand of the king. Essentially, yeah. she's the one that said you're gonna trust him over me obviously in the sense of you can't see that he's probably doing that to worm his way in to make sure that I don't become your heir it's like she's learning now as well but and I, and I feel that her I think Damon is very much to blame for a lot of her I don't know like her choices I should say I think that she's making these decisions that maybe a queen wouldn't and I do think that yeah that, that Damon has had a big a big play because he's, he's, he's the one that obviously shows her that you know, like I said, that marriage is just political. Like all Damon does is political. I, I look again. I will come, will come to talk, talk about Damon. Oh, don't yeah, you worry. <laughs> but like, I do feel that, like I said, that it, it, it's great from a viewer to see this character. You know, she she is she is strong and she's strong willed and she's she's extremely you know focused on what she wants and and you know now that she's been named heir, nothing should really stop her. But we know that everyone is going to be stopping her, and she's obviously now placed in a marriage where she's obviously wanted it to kind of be, again, a political marriage, and that's kind of gone sour. We'll talk about the wedding in a second. But, yeah, like, I do feel that, like, everywhere Rhaenyra turns, she's been given some, some, or at least who she's interacting with, it's influencing her and kind of maybe shaping up for what kind of queen she's going to be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, she, she's a woman in a, a very tough world. Like, like you said, she's kind of finding a way as to, you know, what kind of queen she might be. And, like, she's using these interactions with different characters to sort of build herself up as queen, yeah. I like as well, because th- one of the things that I think kind of showed the, like, strong willingness of the character is that when she finds out, obviously, after Damon uh, has been banished by Ceres and he obviously goes to Stepstone, Stepstones? Yeah. Um, goes off with his mistress he's got a wife that we know somewhere else obviously in, in the veil or wherever uh, but he wants to marry and she's with child obviously it's a lie when he sends it to the king saying saying that he was going to get married and such and therefore he'd taken this this dragon egg obviously that was supposed to be the king's uh, the king's son's dragon egg when she realizes and you know Otto, Otto obviously they all go and and we feel like bloodshed is going to come one of my favorite shots in the whole of the series so far is this moment on the stepstones when they you know on those famous like windy stairs and you know they're, they're kind of pulling out the blades so if you, if you want the dragon egg come and get it this that and the other and you're mm-hmm. thinking this is going to be there's going to be a battle that's going to kick off and and he's got a massive dragon which looks bloody terrifying <laughs> then in comes Rhaenyra on a dragon and she just completely diffuses the situation almost like she knows that she's got a bit of a hold on her uncle her uncle's obviously got a bit of a soft spot for her as well this is this yeah. is obviously before anything has actually happened between the two of them uh, emotionally well physically I should say um, and she completely diffuses that, showing again, I think almost like to Otto in a way as well, that she's like, I can be queen, trust me. Like, if I can stop someone like Damon from causing, again, war for the sake of it, I can rule very well, and I don't need you to tell me otherwise. Yeah, exactly. She shows that leadership, doesn't she? I mean, you know, Otto goes there without his own dragon, Damon's got a dragon, you know. He's, he's, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's a bit, bit outnumbered, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, that's the thing, she's, she's showing leadership because Viserys wanted her to stay you know, nice and safe in King's Landing. But she's like, no, when I'm queen, I'm not just going to stay in King's Landing and let, you know, my hand do things for me. I'm just, I'm going to take charge. I'm going to go there. I'm going to, like you said, diffuse the situation and get it sorted out. And, you know, she ends up, you know, no bloodshed. She gets the dragon egg back. So, you know, that was a successful little outing for her. Yeah, she's an excellent episode. And this is the thing with each episode, this is why I'm pretty good at these, these characters are going to be going, obviously the, the, the young ones anyways, is that they've done such an excellent job. Obviously, we'll, we'll touch upon... Um, Lady Alison as well in the second and such. I just want to kind of keep it with the big three for, for now, but it is going to be a shame not seeing these, uh, not seeing like, say, Millie Alcock and uh, Emily Carey as well, obviously, as these characters returning maybe ever now. I think that I think that is it, pretty much. I think from now on, it's going to be the older cast. So I'm pretty good that we are saying bye to them, but I do feel they've got such an epic, epic conclusion. Because I've seen people as well say that episode five felt like a season finale in its own right, like as in... The way that it ended, you know, we have the agreement, obviously, between House Valerian and, obviously, to the Targaryens that uh, Rhaenyra will marry uh, Corlys Valerian's son, whose name's completely slipped out of my head, but I will definitely find it in a second. You know, we have the that 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 decision and, and you know, the kind of agreement, obviously, of 
what the surname of the child would be. Obviously, that it, again, it's it's all political. And like this, this, this episode five for me, I I loved episode four, but episode five for me, I think was was so good because it just felt like it was bubbling all the way through for something really like mega to kick off at like well we know that weddings and in fairness I didn't realise the wedding was going to be in this particular episode I don't know about yeah. you but like I felt that it was the wedding might be in the next episode or something like that but when you know for example like you, you see the king arrive obviously to House Valerian and then no one greets him no one's there and he's obviously you know um, they're, they're waiting inside for him which again straight away is like is that like a middle finger but yeah. again to to like with, with Viserys Showing again his weakness. It's not again. I I know weakness in terms of his health isn't great, but I mean, as in he doesn't even kick up a fuss about that at all. Like he's like, let's just get on with it. Let's just get in, kind of thing. And again, it's showing that he's probably not the best suited king for this. And it's just another example of that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's all about the politics, isn't it? Like House Valerian. Like there's been quite a few time jumps between each episode, so. I think obviously they're still annoyed that you know their their daughter wasn't married yeah. to to the king, and that kind of shows, like you said, with King Viserys' uh, entrance onto the island. You know, no one's there to greet him, um, and then I feel like um, Lord Valerian, he's kind of a bit undermining him. Well, when he be when he's saying like, no, oh, can, can we get you a chair? Can we get you a yeah. chair? Like sort of playing to Viserys' weakness, but Viserys having none of it. But then, but then yeah, the big claim as well, like um, that you know Lord Valerian's son, like oh. He'll, he'll be King Valerion. It's like, and, and you know, Viserys is like, no, excuse yeah. me. Like, yeah, you can take the last name, but when you get on the throne, it's going to be Targaryen. I think that was a nice compromise, though. I do think it was a nice compromise. It was a good compromise. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I mean, Viserys, he always talks about the dragons, you know what I mean? Because that is the base of the Targaryens' powers. Like Daenerys says in Game of Thrones, like, you know, we were nothing without our dragons. Mm. And they always talk about it, even in the wedding scene, like, you know, sorry, in episode five when they're saying like you know um there's going to be a new age of dragons it's they, they'll always hark back to them as like the main sort of like source of power yeah. don't they well this is it and and like we we're saying about earlier you know weddings in westeros like <laughs> never they never end well. good <laughs> and you just like feel it from the get-go of this like you know the entrance of obviously the the groom i should say who comes in obviously young Val- young valerian or whatever um he comes in uh, and then you know everyone's doing all the greeting such then in comes Matt Smith's Damon, and it's just silence. And this is when you know you've got an incredible actor, because I will, again, we are going to talk about Damon very shortly, but he doesn't need to say anything. He doesn't even need a score. The fact, I just love his mannerisms and the way that he can just hold a room. And obviously he does come with like, well, I, it, what looks like good intentions, but this is the beauty of his characters that you never know what his true intentions are. And it's like, that happens. We'll obviously talk a bit more about Damon in a second. And then in the middle of his speech, Viserys' speech, obviously the Queen's not with him at all. She's she's found out, obviously, that it's apparent that something did happen with with Rhaenyra on the night in question that she allegedly slept with Damon. Obviously she didn't. She, she slept with a, with a guard instead. And um, and obviously lied to the Queen, saying that, you know, I'm still... I've not, I've not tainted myself or anything like yeah. that. Then in the middle of his speech, obviously, she just wanders in in the obviously the green dress as well which we learned from uh, from the I forgot his name as well the, the chap who is obviously kind of mi- yeah. mini little finger yeah the little finger guy yeah, <laughs> little yeah. he's actually I think he's the son of the new hand of the king yes yes, yes he is and again really strong yeah. yeah so he's there saying that green is like the the, the colour of uh, waging war almost it's like yeah. again she's now the civil war is starting and it's bubbling and we're thinking when is this gonna crack when's this nut gonna crack like this is something's definitely gonna happen some 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 explosion some dragon's gonna burst in lo and behold it turns out obviously amongst all this political political marriage should we say that obviously Rhaenyra's made the made the uh made the deal with um with her with her husband to be obviously that this marriage is just for the sake of like the houses it's political you can have your lovers on the side and i'll have my lovers which is again like a win-win for them both because they don't really want to be in it obviously um young valerian forgot his name is obviously he's gay and he's got a lover obviously that he's would would obviously rather be with as to obviously rhaenyra with with the guard and such and this is where blowouts happen like it's it's such a kind of like a smug conversation between the two side lovers, should we say, yeah. the booty calls. Yeah. And that this this kind of like backhanded threat that obviously just kicks off an absolute well, shitstorm. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's how it all starts. And I think from Sir Kristen Cole, I don't know if there's a sort of element of jealousy that his love is kind of isn't reciprocated with Rhaenyra, yeah. whereas with the other two it is. Yeah. And I, I, I mean 
he's not in a good place, you know what I mean? Because he goes he goes to Alison and um, he basically says, he offers to sort of kill himself for what he's done because, you know, he's dishonoured himself, he's dishonoured his, you know, his code. And, and this is before he's like smashed in someone's face. Yeah, as well. exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. So I think in the wedding, you know, he's not a good, he's not in a good place at all. You, you can see him keep keeps looking over to Rhaenyra. You can understand where, where this character would have these feelings because obviously when we first meet Kristen Cole, obviously he's one of the riders at the start, obviously in the duel, obviously between him and him and Damon Targaryen. Mm. Just a quick side note as well, the Damon Targaryen's outfit in that, like with the, with the, with the helmet, with the dragon wings, mm. unbelievable. Oh, yeah, the costume awesome. in this series yeah. <laughs> is incredible, but my On God. <laughs> so yeah, like obviously he even beats Damon Targaryen mm. in that as well, in that joust, sorry, which was absolutely incredible to see. And his character's kind of been, obviously he'd been, given as the protector of, of Rhaenyra therefore he's got that kind of real close connection to her in that intimate moment even when she's like undressing him so slowly obviously by taking off every plate of his like armour which mm. looked like it took forever <laughs> like were they even in the mood when they'd finished um, so yeah that, time's up yeah oh, I'm, I'm a bit bored now um, so there's that intimate moment and he he throws it all on a plate to her he's like look let's let's elope let's, let's run off let's go you know, somewhere else we can be together. You don't want to do, you don't want, you don't want this political marriage. Like I want to be with you. Like I, you know, her basically saying to him is like, well, can't we just keep on as we are kind of thing is like a dagger to the heart for him. And I think that he's so emotionally ramped up at that moment, obviously. And, and it, it keeps going that he's not getting that love reciprocated that whether he saw what Joffrey Lowmouth uh, was saying to him about saying, look, I know your secret. I know, well, I know yours and Rhaenyra's secret. You know mine. And Leonor's uh, Leonor's secret, that's his name, that's his yeah. name, I've just found it, um, <laughs> that, you know, it's one of those where this could be beneficial for the both of us. And it's almost like he just can't take to hear that. And it's like, if that's a threat and he knows, then I need to take him out. And you can see why he did it. He chose, obviously, to do it at the wedding because Game yeah. of Thrones wedding. Of but, um, <laughs> yeah, I think, like you say, it was just just the tip of the iceberg for him, that conversation with Lamouth. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, you can tell he's, you know, madly in love with um, Rhaenyra. And I think from her side of things, like, you know, she, she the acting's great, you know, as as always, I would say that. But, like, you know, she, she kind of looks away and it's almost like she considers it. But, like, you know, she, she knows she wants to become queen and she also almost sort of sees that as a duty. Um, but, yeah, like, you know, Sir Kristen Cole, he, he just um, he just loses it, doesn't yeah. he? Like, the it, red mist. The red mist, yeah, descends. You know, he's clearly in love and um, he, he can't handle it. He doesn't, he doesn't want to be the side piece. You know, he wants her all to himself and he, he wants to get... I think he's he's seen how all the politics works and he wants to get away from it. Like, you know, he talks about, you know, going to going off to Essos, going off to these far lands and, you know, them just having this, like, lovely life by by themselves. But, you know, Rhaenyra doesn't want that. Um, I mean, maybe she does want it. Part of her wants it, but part of her knows it's never going to happen. So. I think as well part of her wants the throne. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she definitely wants. She wants to be the first queen of Westeros. So, yeah. You know, absolutely. And obviously, nothing, nothing can jeopardize. Oh well, about people will try to jeopardize it, but this relationship between Chris and Cole, sadly, it, it can't happen on like a public level. But that moment, obviously, after he's bashed in Loudmouth's face, which is absolutely brutal, and again, like some of the stuff in Game of Thrones, in, in Game of Thrones was gnarly. There's some things already within this that you're like, wow, Almighty. But that was one for me because like anything. Like any, it's not almost like I know it's completely different altogether. But like you know, football hooligan films when it's like yeah. you get pretty pretty brutal with the fisticuffs and such. I'm not a big fan of that. Yeah. So like this for me was like I, almost like I didn't want to watch it. What was happening? But my eyes couldn't. I couldn't take my eyes off it because I was like, my god, he's lost his rag. Mm-hmm. Um, and and who knows where this is going to happen now? Because obviously he then does go off to execute himself. Obviously uh, Queen Alison stops him. Mm-hmm. Are them two going to like team up now as well? And it's going to be a case of like there's going to be that all going off behind the scenes and trying to take down Rhaenyra almost. Who knows? What do you think? Yeah, well, this this is the thing. Like, you know, she turns up in that green dress and like you said, like that's like their, their Hightower's like, you know, call to arms. Like, yeah, I mean, she definitely, she wants Aegon on the throne and I think she's going to, I think she's going to do whatever it takes to make that happen. So it's going to be very interesting to uh, to see that. And um, yeah, I think, I think Sir Kristen Cole probably will be, you know, sticking around in some sort of capacity, maybe. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I've but... seen, obviously, if any, well, I've seen a few images from the next week's episode and I've seen a few, uh, I've seen a picture of him in episode six. So again, I'm just really excited to see where it goes with that because I still feel that even though, I, I feel like it's hurt and, and, and hurt and jealousy and all that can 
lead you down this kind of like a path that maybe Chris and Cole could go down and almost like turn into like the Darth Vader of, of, of game of, of game of Thrones of Westeros, should I say, but who, who knows anyways, it's just, uh, it's a very great, it's a great performance say uh, for Kristen Cole, great character that I'm enjoying mm-hmm. and uh, looking forward to seeing who, uh, yeah, who else he, uh, he, he smashes, like, we'll breaks their face. <laughs> but before I was saying, because I know we've kind of gone here, there and everywhere, we've not, uh, we, we've touched upon Damon Targaryen, but you know, lastly, obviously out of the big three, Damon Targaryen, Matt Smith, my God, what like for me, like seeing Matt Smith in his career, having been a fan of Doctor Who as well, I know I've said obviously on previous episodes of the, of the podcast, I've drifted away from Doctor Who and such in the last couple of years. But like, you know, when Matt Smith took over as David from David Tennant, it was, it was just a fantastic choice. He did a fantastic um, portrayal of the character. He's then gone on to do so many amazing things. I recently obviously really enjoyed him in Last Night in Soho. Um, and now to see him in Westeros as this character's Targaryen, like... As I say before, when I first saw images and trailers for this TV series, I did feel like I was like, it's Matt Smith wearing a blonde wig. <laughs> but he has completely won me over as his character. Damon Targaryen is one of many people's and fans' favourite character that's in the show. He is such a complex and manipulative and scheming character. Like, you never know what he's going to do next or, like, what he's thinking, what his motives are. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes him such, like, a, a, a like a loose cannon, but you just don't know where the explosion's going to come from. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely phenomenal actor. And yeah, just Matt Smith, just brilliant. Like yeah, like you said, like, you know, at first, like the blonde wig, it's like, oh, will this work? But it absolutely works. He's absolutely smashed the performance. I mean, especially in episode three, where, you know, it, the Stepstones battle, where he barely says a word. Oh my and God. Yet, yeah. And yeah, it's just, you're just so blown away by, by how he does it. And yeah, it just, you know... Again, you know, some at times you empathise with him, but at times you, you, you know, he's been absolutely just an awful person. It's like you know, there's there's so much range to Matt Smith's acting, but also the character as well. It's kind of, you know, he's got he's it's like he's got his own sort of ambitions. You know, kind of you know, you can tell he wants the throne himself, but the way he goes about it, um, you know, he, he does a lot to prove himself, like with the battle and stuff, and then, um, you know. It, I mean, he's got guts to, to go straight up to Viserys and say, you know, I want to marry your daughter. You know, that yeah. is just like, that is just crazy, really. But yeah, it just, it just shows. Like, he's a brilliant character with a lot to offer, you know. 100%. And he can only get better with him as well because his performance is just like, like even in the episode four, obviously, this is the one, uh, I believe episode four is the one where he takes Rhaenyra out into King's Landing and shows yes. her obviously the, the, the yeah. pleasure house and, and, and what, what it's all actually like. Even showing as well that play as well when he's like, look, this is what people think of you. Like if you become queen, this is this is what you're gonna to have to pretty much put up with is that people are gonna constantly try and undermine you, and kind of just showing it. This is why I was talking about obviously almost like how Rhaenyra has been warped a little bit as well under the influence of Damon. But this is it. We just don't really know when he enters a room what he's gonna do next because he's so unpredictable. But that's the 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 beauty of this character almost, and and it's a, and we're set up straight away just to know what kind of character maybe he is. Well, not maybe what kind of character he is. Mm. You know, we first introduce him on his leader of the Night's Guard, is he? I think it is, and he goes around King's Landing and just kind of like you know cuts off hands of criminals at the start. Obviously, like any rapist, they're losing genitals and stuff like that. He literally just full on butcher mode, and then the council the next day are telling Viserys, he's like, yeah, that's that's Damon. Yeah, it's just how he is. You know, he kills people, mutilates them, and yeah, that that's the thing. You, we get quite a brutal introduction to him. Um, and it kind of just never stops, really, does it? I mean, yeah, you've got episode three on the Stepstones where he basically just takes them all on by himself because he's that angry that Viserys has offered him help that he just kind of goes into sort of full beast mode and just, like, absolutely goes insane. I, I was going to say about that as well because, obviously, he's got an alliance with House Valerian, obviously, on the back of the disgruntledness they have mm. of the king not picking their daughter to marry them going off to fight the crab feeder, who obviously I felt like, I don't know about you, but I felt like the crab feeder was going to be a much bigger part of the series. Yeah, absolutely. I, I thought it'd be a bit more drawn out and that we'd, you know, the battle would be happening in like episode five or six or even later maybe. So yeah, it's kind of, it was kind of, it was all done quite quickly. But yeah, the crab feeder, you know, an interesting sort of one one shot villain. You know, we didn't really get to see much of him. Although I noticed with his mask, it was kind of it looked a bit like the Sons of the Harpy mask. I believe it was meant to be. Yeah. I believe it was. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. It, was, it was a nice touch that as well because it just again kind of like heightened this weird fear of this crab feeder. Obviously, the way that he was killing people, obviously by like you know nailing them up and then throwing crabs on them. And and it's another another thing as well that Viserys had been blocking off House Valerian from even 
you know, starting obviously starting a war with them basically because it might upset other people. And again, it's that thing coming back to King Viserys, always trying to bloody people please, and it's like it can't work like that all the time. Yeah, I've got to mention one thing as well. There was one bit of dark humor that I did find quite funny was when um, this guy thinks he's going to be saved and then he gets squished by the oh, dragon's yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, brilliant bit of dark humor there. Yeah, <laughs> not, not a nice moment, but unlucky for the poor soul. No, absolutely. <laughs> but like I said, the, the, the situation with Damon then, like he would rather tackle the crab feeder head on than accept help from his brother. Like he is that determined to win, but also stake his claim to the throne because if he was shown as accepting that help and Viserys and co did turn up to help with that battle, that would then undermine Damon. It would make him look weak and therefore not a suitable king. Yeah, no, absolutely. He just shows what an exciting character is because, you know, he's willing to die to, you know, to, to further, you know, his claim, you know, the, the fact that he was actually, you know, going face the crab feeder head on, you know, knowing the risks, knowing the danger, it just there is no, there is nothing that he, that he won't do, you know. Well, to, we've seen that even more. Obviously, yeah. in episode five at the start, when he when we we meet his wife for the first time, obviously, and it's like I like this kind of moment. It reminded me of like when we first, uh, as a Star Wars fan, when we first meet Obi Wan Kenobi, this like hooded figure just like coming over the coming around mm. a corner of a hill set, and then like his wife they have this kind of like back and forth where you could tell this is not a very healthy relationship it's not yeah. a marriage no neither of them wants to be in <laughs> and he purposefully spooks the horse so that it obviously lands on her and crushes her and albeit kills her it doesn't in the first instance but a nice touch that i read up as well is that you know when she says to him um oh, i knew you couldn't finish this that and the other and he picks up the rock and we don't see him bash mm. her but obviously he's accused of killing her obviously but now he inherits all of that land pretty much what is you know after kill after his wife's death um, there's a nice kind of uh, fact I was reading from one of the writers saying that in the novel, it's only alluded like like that does happen where he does I think he does spook her the horse falls on uh, falls on her and then later on in the book in the novel it mentions something about her that she was she was squished obviously she was the the horse had broken her neck or spine or whatever and then this extra bit of detail was that her, her skull was like smashed in and the writer was like it's a bit of a that's an interesting kind of extra bit of info that we didn't even need if a horse is crushed it's crushed you. so in mm. terms of adding the the extra she's had a head smashed in maybe Damon did that and I like the fact that we don't see that but it alludes to it again leaving that I'm, I'm like very ambiguous and it mm. could be a case that he maybe he probably did he but, probably did yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I like exactly. the ambiguity of it <laughs> no yeah I like the ambiguity as well exactly it's nice when writers kind of you know don't have everything sort of you know there in front of you so you can kind of you know make your own opinions and um, yeah I quite, I quite like that aspect yeah it's and, and, and like I said it's so exciting what, what what's going to happen with Damon Targaryen because you've already mentioned you know the, the sequence in episode 3 obviously when, when he says nothing Mm. obviously lands <laughs> says nothing reads the note pulls the face oh, his facial expressions his mannerisms what Matt Smith has done with his character it's so engrossing and so wonderful to watch and when you've got other amazing actors in there as well like like you like you Paddy Constantine Jamili Alcox everyone is shining because they are so bouncing off one another it is wonderful to see and this is why I personally think this TV show is going to be better than Game of Thrones what's your thoughts I've got to agree. Yeah, that that's the thing. All the characters have great chemistry and the, there's a lot of things they can do with this because like it's based off fire and blood which is like the history of the Targaryens. Yeah. So it's not they're not set to like a rigid sort of structure of the story. They can really play around with it. And like you say, even though we know what happens in Game of Thrones, you know, they kind of allude to like the history of the Targaryens, but like we say, you know, the history is written by, you know, the winners, you know, the people who, you know, who survived. So we don't know what's true and what's not. So I think what I've seen of House of Dragon so far, these first five episodes, I think it definitely has the potential to be better than Game of Thrones. So, you know, I'm hooked on it already. I'm, you know, I'm going to be upset to lose, you know, the actors that we've, you know, that we've gotten to know so well over the first five episodes, because they have put in terrific performances, you know, Millie Alcock, especially. Um, but but yeah, it definitely has the potential to be better than Game of Thrones. And this is obviously my opinion might be a little bit warped to others because I only came into Game of Thrones um, in time for season five, I think it was. So I was a little bit late to the party with it. Obviously, I very much enjoyed it. Loved season six. Didn't mind seven. Hated season eight, like many people of Game of Thrones. So when this series was announced, just sounded like a personal note, I was a little bit like, I couldn't give a monkeys. Like I really wasn't in a, a Westeros kind of place. But since coming back into it and since catching up, and obviously watching this weekly because I was away for the first two episodes, but catching up on those two and then watching the rest, I, I'm just gripped. Like I am so invested in this story, these characters. Like I can't wait for the next episode, which 
I don't feel like I've had that with a show in a, in a while. Like I've enjoyed TV shows and, and look forward to the next episode, but to be this invested in these characters, to, to want to know what's going to happen with Rhaenyra, what, when Viserys is inevitably going to snuff it, what mm. Daemon's up to, who, who all the council trying to worm their way to the thrones. I am so invested in this uh, in this story and, and and I know there's probably many things that we haven't touched upon in this in this part one, but we will pick up in part two. But I do want to mention as well that knowing it's like that scene obviously with Viserys talking to Rhaenyra when he calls her when he names her the heir and then starts telling her about all this prophecy and such about the, the Song of Ice and Fire and stuff like that and what's you to come with the winter and such. <laughs> knowing that that's obviously he's alluding to what happens in Game of Thrones, knowing how bad that Game of Thrones went, it just was like that was like a little bit of a dagger in the heart. I don't know about you. No, yeah, exactly the same. It's like when he's, he's saying like how you know how much of a big threat it's going to be. It's like, well, mate, it's going to be over in one episode. It's like you know, <laughs> it's like it's such a shame. Like you know, it had Game of Thrones ended much better. Like I'll not go too much into it, but you know, like you know, it, it was over in one episode in Winterfell. That could have been you know a lot better, a lot more drawn out. So yeah, that that was a bit disappointing. But <laughs> I'm sure there'll be. I'm sure. I mean, I'll definitely be up for doing a Game of Thrones podcast episode with you anyways, man. So I'm sure that one day when I fancy rewatching it again, because I vowed never to rewatch it purely on the last season. But maybe maybe I shouldn't just like, I should just crack on. I, you know, like Dexter had a terrible ending and, and Game of Thrones yeah. obviously fell into that category as well as as many other TV shows. But up there in the big, you know, the big few that always get mentioned, you Dexter, Lost, and yeah. uh, uh, even even Sopranos ending obviously annoy people. Mm-hmm. But Game of Thrones definitely ticked a lot yeah. of people off. But uh, but yeah, no House of the Dragon has been it's been wonderful so far. So I've very much enjoyed it, and just looking forward to the next five episodes. And we're we're going to obviously come back and do part two once the season is done. Which is why obviously if we've not touched upon anything in particular that you want to hear us talk about, or even characters necessarily that you want to maybe maybe wanted us to maybe go over more so, they probably will have a bigger part. Obviously, more conversation in the um, in the next uh, in the next in the next part of this uh, this House of the Dragon podcast because. I really just wanted to focus on, like I said, the main three and who they kind mm. of intertwine with and their stories. And, and it kind of, you know, brings in other characters as well. Probably will be doing the same again, obviously, in part two, but we'll definitely try and uh, at least learn for me anyways, everyone's, uh, as many people's names There's as so I can. There's just so though, many. Yeah. I'm just like, that young one in the corner staring, like, yeah, just whatever. We know who we mean. We know, we know who we mean. Now, hopefully you know who we mean yeah. as well, listeners. But the main thing is, is uh, I've, I've enjoyed this. I've enjoyed going over these five episodes. It's kind of like even more hyped up my excitement for the next episode. <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. Going back on what you were saying, like I, I, after our Game of Thrones ended, I was apprehensive about how this would turn out. But I think each episode's been better than the previous one, yeah. and I'm, yeah, I'm really enjoying it, and I, I can't wait for the next few episodes. Like it's, it's going to be cool. There's no denying though that Game of Thrones ran so House of the Dragon can walk. So we can't take that anything. I'm not taking anything yeah. away from Game of Thrones. It was an absolute fantastic spectacle to have so many people engrossed. again, really, really into this, into that, into that world, into this TV series. Millions, obviously, of fans worldwide. Hopefully, and I'm sure they are. Everyone of that fan base is enjoying House of Dragon more so, and uh, yeah, we definitely are doing so. Obviously, it'll be another couple of weeks before we get part two out. But again, hope you've really enjoyed this episode, this extended episode, talking about House of the Dragon, episodes one to five. Again, do comment, do get in touch on social media, obviously on the, on the Facebook page. Give us a like and a follow on there. Do share the podcast. It means the absolute world. And thank you, as always, for your lovely comments and, and, and words that come in. And let's have a chit-chat. Have you been watching House of the Dragon? Who's your favourite character and why? What's your favourite scene? Let's 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 jump on it, because this is... What a time to be alive, eh? Like, Game of Thrones is back with an absolute vengeance, and House of the Dragon is one heck, one heck of a good show. Until the next episode, though, thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Jamie as well for joining me tonight. It's been great having you on. Yeah, thank you for having me. Really enjoyed it. And listeners, thank you for listening. Until the next episode, take care.